Hello, travel lovers and dreamers, and welcome to the EPOP podcast, episode two of season one. Season one's theme is our journey to short-term rental success. I wonder how long I can use the drum roll for. And today's episode is called Finding Your First Airbnb. With over 660,000 listings, the U.S. has the most Airbnb listings of any country in the world. But Heth, what is number two? Lightning struck in an open plane, and we forgot this old city's name. See your breath on window pane. Let's just talk till it strikes again. my way through I saw you on my way through Okay, I think that I have a good guess for this. Like, I'm hoping it's the right country. If it is, what do you win? Oh, I don't know. A latte. If you don't get it right, what do you lose? Um, my dignity. Go ahead. Um, a latte or your dignity. <laughs> so I I feel like it might be Italy because it just, to me, Italy, it's like, yes, you go and you rent like a country home yeah, or a city yeah. home. No, it's not Italy. Oh! So close. Italy is number three. Okay. Is it France? I was going to say France All right, so first. You don't get a latte. What's like a worse version of a latte? If you go to the like coffee store and you can't a get a latte, you just get Drip a- coffee from the convenience store. All right. Drip oh. coffee from the convenience store. It goes France, number two, Italy, number three, okay. Spain, number four, UK, number five. Okay. I was going to say France, but then I just, well, because I always think like Italy, you go, you stay in a- I, I would like to actually see the numbers like per capita. I could have done the math, you yeah. know, because 660,000 in the U.S. Okay, well, there's also uh, a bunch more people in the U.S. than France, whereas France has 485,000 listings. Mm-hmm. So do they have more per person? Does Italy have more per person? Yeah, and also the U.S. is is huge, like land mass wise, right. whereas both Italy and, and France are much smaller. Right, so they might have more per person and certainly probably more per square well, kilometer if we're going to be <laughs> um, All right. If you guys got that right, treat yourself oh, to a latte. If you got it wrong, go for that drip store <laughs> coffee from a drip, drip coffee, coffee from a convenience <laughs> store. Um, guys, we are we are doing a season. We got the new format. If you listen to the first episode of season one, then you know that. If you haven't, uh, we're going to fill you in right here. We're doing seasons, which will focus on a particular topic. And as Heather mentioned, this season's topic is all about our short-term rental success, our journey to short-term rental success using real estate and Airbnb in order to set ourselves up to get to the triangle of freedom, which is time, location, and financial freedom. And anytime we have done a podcast that has touched on this topic or we've talked about it on Instagram, we have gotten people who are very, very, very hungry mm. for Stop more using that information button. on it. So that's why we're doing season this season. Um, and to give you guys a season breakdown, again, episode one was our journey and, and it was a high level overview of everything that we've done to kind of get to the spot that we are now. So if you haven't listened to that, that's that's probably going to be the longest one, but it it, sh- it shines a light on, you know, the whole seven, eight year process that we've taken to get here. So highly recommend listening to that. 
today how to find your first short-term rental. And there are three different options that we're going to talk about. And then let's just run through the, the rest of the episode so you guys know what is coming up here. Episode three, we will focus on the difference between middle of the road and magical listings, which is definitely going to be probably one of my favorite episodes. Episode four is to manage or not to manage. That is the question. Episode number five, nerds unite, numbers and stats. That may be one of my favorites. (laughs) Episode number six, why we sold all our affiliate properties and pivoted. And then episode seven, renovations. Episode eight, our biggest lessons learned and mistakes to avoid. So that is what we have coming up in this season. And our goal with this season is to, if you're someone who's interested in this, to give you the tools and tricks that you, that you well, I guess not tricks, the tools and tips that you need to, to start off. Some things are tricky. Yeah, yeah, to start off on the right foot. And if you're someone who's like, well, maybe I'm into this. Our goal, as as Heather mentioned in episode one, is to really pull the curtain back, show you everything behind the scenes. Because when people hear that we do this, you know, people are like, oh, you guys have a real estate empire, or you're real estate moguls, and we're like, well... Or you're oh. just lucky. Right, and we're just like, well, none of that is really true. You know, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, so we want people to see that, that, that real estate isn't a magic bullet for everyone. It isn't this idea that, oh, you just buy properties and instantly they're go- they're going to do really well. And it means that everyone who has real estate is doing really well. If you do them right, they can do really well. That For us, it's one of our core tenants to getting to financial independence, full financial independence. Um, but there's a lot of things to consider when doing this. And a lot of it... Uh, also be, is like, should you do short-term rentals? Because you may be invested in real estate or be interested in real estate, but maybe you're interested in long-term rentals. Maybe you're interested in commercial real estate. Maybe you're interested in wholesaling, right? There's a, there's a ton of different things. For us, our sweet spot is short-term rentals. And so this is all going to focus on short-term rentals. But we like to give you a very holistic view of the good, the bad, and the ugly with it so that you can come in making a decision of like, yep, I want to get into this because now I know all the sides of it. And, um, and, and I, and it is something that I, that I want to dabble in or maybe even go fully into. Right. So if you are interested in finding your first short-term rental, then this episode is for you. And even if you're just, you're thinking about it, um, but you're not sure, hopefully this will shine a light on kind of the three different options that you have in order to get your first short-term rental. And one of the things before we even get to those three options that we want to hit on is a thing that a lot of people don't think about, and we're going to hammer this home in episode three as well, but I want you to start thinking about it now, is what's your goal with getting a short-term rental? So the easy answer for a lot of people is like, oh, I want to make money. Okay, that's fine. You know, for some, for some of you, it's this idea of like, this is a straight investment play. Like, I like real estate. Short-term rentals have the potential to do much better than long-term rentals if done right. That's why some people do them. And so maybe that's your goal. Right. And it's also if you need to partner up with someone in order to get your short-term rental, maybe that's their goal is really just a straight investment. Yeah. So some people, right, exactly. And so if you're sitting there and you're saying it's a straight investment, you're essentially saying, all right, I just want the most profitability. I want the most bang for my buck if I have... X amount to invest, I want the biggest return. And that's totally fine. You know, for us, that was our goal with our Philly properties. Um, I didn't know what numbers that meant. I, I said in episode one that our goal with the Philly properties, we, we end up with five of them in, in a two-year span. My original goal was to make $10,000 per year per property. It sounded like a nice 
round feasible number. But it wasn't really based in much data at the time. It, it was based in a lot of data, but a lot of unknowns, like things right. that I had to make educated guesses with. And throughout this whole process, everything is an, is an educated guess, but it can be a much, much more educated guess to the point where you're now when we make these guesses, we're doing it with a very high degree of certainty, right? Like there might be, okay, we think this yeah, property can cross. explain what that means a little bit. Okay, so I might be able to say, and we're going to, trust me, in the number, Nerds <laughs> Unite numbers and stats episode, we'll get it's more. It's going to get wild. But I might be able to say, all right, I can pretty confidently say that this property will gross $120,000 to $140,000 a year, right? So, and and running numbers, I, I can know that. So there's, you know, that's a discrepancy, 120 to 140. That's a, that's a range, but it's not a, a super large range. You know, it's, it's pretty tight and it's based on data that I, I feel very confident in. Again, going into episode, uh, when we talk about it in episode five, we'll give you some of those tools that we use to do that. Um, but then from that number, that gross number, I can sit back and say, well, now I know X amount's going to go to property management. X amount's going to go to cleaning and linens. We have a pretty good idea how much it's going to cost to furnish a place because we've done that. And so, you know, before when we were doing the Philly properties, my my strategy, and it wasn't a bad one, but it, it left a lot of blind spots, was to look at other properties on Airbnb. How much were they charging? Try to come up with an average of what of what they were charging and then you know, look at their calendars and try to determine what availability they had. That's not a bad first shot, but... Yeah, I mean, knowing nothing, you know, just using what you thought you had, but there are a lot more options out there that we've learned. And and there's a lot of variables that you can't control with that because like someone might have their calendar blocked off for a certain time, but it doesn't mean they're it's rented out. It means they're blocking off for themselves or... You know, the prices that they're listing, they might not have anyone staying there. So it's like, well, that doesn't really matter. Or some people are listed way too low and they're uh, underperforming the market. So we'll get into all that. But, you know, the the kind of the two, when you think about the goals with getting STR, and if you hear us use STR and you're unfamiliar with that term, that just means short-term rental. So we will say short-term rental, we will say STR, and we'll say Airbnb kind of in, interchangeably. Um, Airbnb is just the platform that we use predominantly and is the big player in the game. But for some people, it's like, I just want one that will get me the most money. And so you might be thinking, okay, well, what is the, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, duh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> What's Wait, the other option? What, what are the other options? So another option is if you want to buy an investment property, but also use it for yourself so that you can enjoy like a vacation home and it will pay for itself. Maybe you make some money on top of that as like a bonus, but basically you could have almost like a free vacation home. Right. And so, and then you wouldn't be saying, I just need to make the most of this property. You would, it's almost this hybrid solution of saying, well, what fits for me and my needs as a vacation home and also then will make me money. We, we actually, uh, some of the people that we have worked with um, closely in helping them try to find properties, your brother, mm -hmm. um, Tony, and also my friend Beans, Frank's Frank. his real name, but you get it, Frank and Beans. Uh, Beans, <laughs> Guess. Um, you know, th for example, Beans was looking at a place up in Lake Placid in New York or around there. And looking at that, because he said, well, I like going up there for six weeks out of the year. So I don't, I wouldn't go to another 
place and look for a property because I want to be able to go up there with my family. But if I could find one that would then also make me money, great. And your brother, same way. Same. Yeah. He's looking at Lake Winnipesaukee. If you listen to the EPOP podcast, you know that we are from New Hampshire and we often go up to New Hampshire. So he wants to find a place there that he can use, that our family can use, and that will also pay for itself and hopefully, you know, make more. But the goal is basically to have a free vacation home. Yeah. And so in their cases, that that plays a role in the areas they're looking because it might be like, hey, you could make a lot more on this other lake in New Hampshire. But Tony might say, well, I, I don't care. Like, I don't want to go there. Um, it also plays a role in like the size of home you're looking for. So uh, Frank, for example, when we're looking up at Lake Placid, maybe the numbers say, oh, a two bedroom is going to do much better than a four bedroom. Like your return on investment is going to be much better and you would make more money on a two bedroom than a four bedroom. But if it's him and his family and he says, yeah, but I don't want to shove my whole family in a two bedroom, that, that that's not going to work for us. Then he has to say, all right, well, what do I need? I need a three bedroom. I need a four bedroom. Um, do the numbers still work? And can I still make money from it? Even if it's not the absolute most profitable version of a property that I can buy. And so those are kind of the two main goals that we see people looking at, right? This, I want to make the most money or, hey, I want to get something that I can use and that I like and it'll pay for itself and also make me money, even if it's not the most amount of money I could get my bank for my buck. And so just think about that as we go through these of, for you, what are you looking to do? Right. And with our experience, you know, we had the five properties in Philadelphia and those were all about you know, making the most money because they were straight investments. And then we bought our beach house and it was kind of like, yeah, we, we want a beach house. Who doesn't want a beach house? I guess if you don't like the beach, but what? whatever. Why are you even listening to this podcast? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You, you can prefer other things. You don't have to be beach people. But we wanted this beach house as, you know, an investment. And we knew that it would do well, but we also wanted to be able to spend time here. And then with our last property that we just bought, a set of four cottages, also near the beach, uh, but not beachfront. Um, you know, those are straight investment. Like we want those to just literally succeed and just crush it. So yeah. And and even in those, what's kind of funny is they are straight investment. They will do really well. We've run the numbers like those, those will be a cash cow. There was still this part of it where it was like, yeah. And when my mom and dad come down, if they mm -hmm. don't want to stay here, or we have other family members like, hey, you can have your own cottages or hey, if we wanted to have a huge family reunion here, well, here's a set of four cottages where people can have their own private spaces, but it's on a plot of land where we can all communally gather, gather. So it, you know, there's still emotion involved and there's still, you know, these feelings of we can we can multi use this space and, you know, get the most out of it for our own benefit as well. And you'll see as, you know, with this podcast, like we've we've talked about um, explicitly and kind of implicitly, you know, our whole thing is about how can we create the lifestyle that we want to have. And so travel is a massive part of that. But when we first started, it was like all travel all the time. Nothing else mattered. And now it's like, how can we get again to this thing that you'll hear me talk about? Because it's it, to me, it's so important. How can we get to this triangle of freedom? And when we get to the triangle of freedom, that allows us to have the lifestyle that we want. And that's financial freedom, time freedom, and location freedom. And so um, I just want you to be aware of that when you start thinking about, is short-term rentals right for me? Okay, 
with e- if it is with each decision that you make as we go through the next couple episodes, should you manage or not, you know, and all this stuff, that's going to play a huge role into it. Like, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? And is it all about the money? Okay, if so, that's one way to go. Is it about, you know, the are your family using it or, or people you know using it and also about paying for itself? And, and that's what it came down to Frank. He's like, hey, man, if I can make the 20, 30K profit and be able to use this six, eight weeks out of the year, I'm great. And I like Lake Placid in the winter and I like it in the summer. So I'll split the time there. And I was like, yeah, that that make like that's a great model for you to follow. Um, so with that, there, there are really three three options, three main options with finding your first short term rental. And we're going to tell you which we do and which and why we prefer that model but we did want to make sure that we at least mention these for people who are in different types of situations right so the first one is not something that we do but we know people who are doing it and have done it and that is master leasing which is basically you don't own the property you lease it rent it from somebody else but then you rent it short term um so you're not living at it and you're not you know, doing anything with it other than short-term renting it. Yeah. And usually this is you, I mean, you should definitely, if you're renting it, you should talk to the person, the landlord beforehand and say, are you okay with, with me short-term renting this? And it really can be a win-win for both parties. Um, We've seen our friends do that to, to great success here. For us, it's not something that we're interested in because if we're going to, if we're going to, put the time and effort and the work into it. I also want to own the building because then you can make money on the appreciation, on the resale and all that. But this is a really great way for people to get started who don't have the capital to go and buy a property or who don't want to invest that much. The downsides to this are one, you know, if you come in and you make the improvements and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, you, depending on the, you know, the agreement that you have with the landlord, you know, you're not going to see that like they're going to get the benefit of that when they go to sell. The other big downside is that it you might not last forever. It might not last forever. <laughs> Your landlord can decide, Hey, I want to sell this property. And then their new and the new owner comes in, might not let you do it. Or your landlord might decide, I don't, I don't want you to do this or, Hey, I've seen the success you're having. I'm going to do it for myself. So, you know, it's, it can be a temporary uh, solution and, and it could, it could get a little dicey there. Right. But it could be a very good first experience to dip your toe in the water without having to go full on investment in, you know, buying five properties in two years like we did. Like we did. And I think <laughs> the most important thing if you're going to go this route is one, make sure your margins are enough that you're not going to be caught upside down. So if something happens, um, you're not going to be sitting and for whatever reason, you can't make as much as you thought or, or maybe short term rentals you know, take a dive, i.e. COVID. Uh, we actually saw a lot of people get in a lot of trouble with this because they overextended themselves. They they would just rent out. They're like, this is, this is no brainer. This is like printing money. I'm just going to rent out tons of properties. And, you know, for, let's say for two grand, I'm going to rent it. And then, uh, you know, I'm going to be making five grand a month off it for short-term rentals. Well, when short-term rentals dried up, and they were stuck with 10 properties, well, they had to pay the the two grand, you know, that's $20,000 they had to pay, and maybe they weren't able to make that. So just make sure your margins are high enough and you put enough away that if something happens. And the other big thing is be really clear with the landlord of what you're allowed to do, what you're not yeah. allowed to do, get it in writing, how long this lease is in place, all that kind of stuff. So 
Um, not something we do, but is an option. But we don't want to dive too much into that because for us, it, it's not the best option. Right. Um, for the us, option. yeah, the, for us, the second option was how we actually started. And we talked about this in the first episode, which is using your own home as an Airbnb. So we can talk about this in, in depth. And, you know, obviously, if you're using your own home, that means that you can't be there or unless you decide to rent out a room or something like that. Or if you have an apartment or an ensuite or something like that, that's a great way to also start. But if you're renting like your actual physical space that you usually yeah, like reside in, home. Yep. Um, you know, that means you have to be somewhere else. So when we first started this, we only did it when we were trying, well, when we very first started it, we just decided to put our home on Airbnb and just if somebody booked it, we would leave because we had that flexibility that only lasted a couple months because we realized it was, this is horrible, horrible. Like, Oh my gosh, someone <laughs> booked it for tomorrow and yeah. now we have to leave for four days. Uh, this is probably not worth the money we're getting. <laughs> right. And then, you know, that was a while ago and it was before we had kids and we were really settled in at our home. So we just wanted to see if we could make it work in the suburbs of Philadelphia. But then we got a little bit more organized with it and we said, okay, if we plan out when we're going to be away, we will get the house ready and we will list it and open the calendar only for these times and see what happens. And it ended up working out for us because even in a small suburb outside Philadelphia, you know, we would leave for a month and travel and we would get a whole month of the same people even you know, coming instead of it being like, okay, two nights here or a week here, we kind of looked for those bigger options of, okay, if we're going to leave for a month, it'd be nice to get somebody in for a month. And that happened quite often with people traveling for work. And also this was before COVID, but you know, we have lots of pharmaceutical companies and, you know, hospitals and people would be coming for those reasons Things and that you wouldn't, you wouldn't ever expect or like a reunion or some event. And yeah, we, we did get some really I think, Easy that's, bookings. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that, that we had and that other people have when they talk to us like, well, my home isn't in a city or my home isn't in at the beach or in the mountains, like, like somewhere where you traditionally say is like a tourist hotspot. But I'd urge you to look around like, okay, first, if there are hotels in your area, there are people coming through mm -hmm. and then start to think outside the box a little bit we didn't, but we just saw people coming through. There was a big convention center near our house. Uh, you know, we didn't think of it as a big convention center. It was just like this place in a strip mall, but they'd have, you know, gun show, RV shows, dog shows, you know. Um, they put a Cirque, Cirque du Soleil came once, this big outdoor tent. And so what we realized, we're like, oh man, I guess people are traveling here. This is like outside of the city. They don't want to go 45 minutes into Philadelphia. There's nowhere to stay other than hotels. We had one of the only Airbnbs that was bigger than there. And so we would get these people through. There were like a few colleges around, small colleges, but okay. You know, people were coming through for weddings. So your area probably has a bit more viability for, for Airbnb than you, than you might give it credit for. And a really easy way to kind of think about this or, or to see if maybe it does is like the easiest is, are there any hotels at all in the area? Okay, if there are, then people are coming through. Why are they coming through? Think through that. You know your area better than we do. Why are people coming through? What experience do they want to have where you live? Yeah, then go to Airbnb and just look. Are there other Airbnbs around? There weren't many in our town when we started, but there were a few. So you're like, okay, you know, and, and, I, and I reached out to some of the, actually the owners like, hey, who do you have coming through? And they told me, hey, we actually have a lot of traveling nurses coming through. So, you know, they were operating more on a boarding room type 
situation, which wasn't what we were going to do, but it opened my mind. Oh yeah, there is a hospital here, you know? Oh, okay. So just, just do some digging. I, you might be pleasantly surprised at what you could do. Obviously, if you have a house in an area that is primed, then yeah, you might already a, know. It, yeah, it's you know? kind of a no brainer um, that if you wanted to start by by renting your own home, even when you're just planning to travel and you have a desirable area that you know will people will be coming to, then yeah, it's a great option to do it. Now, obviously it does require a little bit of work or kind of a lot of bit of work because people always ask us, oh, well, you rent your own home. Like, what do you do with all of your stuff? And have you ever had any issues and, you know, questions like that. And I have to say that with our own personal home, because it's not set up as an investment Airbnb that's like turning around guests, you know, every other night or every night or something like that. We never had any issue with a guest at our own personal it, home ever. It sounds ever. counterintuitive, but people are more respectful when they know, at least in our experience, when they know it's your own home. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to a hotel room. Eh, I don't really care. Like, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, this is people's home. Like, I, I think it raises their level of respect uh, a bit. That doesn't mean... You can't have a problem, of course. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't leave, like you should just leave everything out. I, you know, certainly things to consider if you're going to do this, like put away valuables or anything that if it did break, Important you would be documents. absolutely shattered. Um, the other thing that we've done here, and this was just at our beach house, this was on a whim. We have, so this house has five bedrooms, but one of them where we're sitting right now, which we use as an office, is kind of off the side of the house. And we didn't have anywhere to store our stuff when we were cleaning it out so that people could stay here. Yeah, because originally we were like, let's leave all the closets and everything open for the guests. And so we move everything out, especially because we were planning to, we did, we planned, and then we did rent our beach house for the entire summer. So we wanted everybody to come here if they're coming for a week at a time to have the space in the house where they could have all of their things. So we thought, let's move everything into one room but we didn't really think that we could rent our beach house as a four bedroom two and a half bath instead of a five bedroom three and a half bath because yeah, we, we thought people wouldn't yeah we just thought hey we're gonna lose yeah we're gonna lose money or we can't do it but what we found is that it didn't affect it at all um and that you know when we ran the numbers five bedrooms didn't really do much better than four bedrooms anyway and so for us we just said okay that's always going to be our storage room it makes it way easier we don't have to rent a storage unit or anything we don't have to fit like whenever we're renting it we're just going to put stuff in that we're going to lock the door and we're going to shut it off so if you have your own house and you're worried about um different you know people coming into your house or whatever i mean maybe it's your master bedroom maybe you just say okay i've got three bedrooms i'm going to shut the master bedroom off primary no one bedroom primary bedroom um you know i'm gonna shut that off and no one's going to go in there mm -hmm. and so my stuff can stay there and now they have a two-bedroom to go into so just think again it's a little bit of outside the box thinking i mean not crazy outside the box thinking but just saying what makes it easiest for me to rent it out and still can make me money so those are some of the things you want to consider of if you should do it or not some people are vehemently against renting out their own house and that's totally fine i get it some people are like i would never do that Okay. But other people are thinking, huh, this might work. Like this will pay my mortgage when I'm away, or maybe this will even make, pay my mortgage and make me money. So, um, consider it. And then also just the last consideration with your own home is, Hey, is it in a place where it's, it's seasonal to some degree? And you know, for us at the beach, the high season is June, July, August. Well, 
we said we're fine being away June, July, August because August and or April and May are really nice. September, October, November are really nice. Plus June, July, August, it's nice a lot of places. We want to go visit family in New Hampshire then and and go back to Philadelphia and maybe travel to Europe then. So for us, we can make the most during that time and we don't mind being away. So that might be some considerations for you to think yeah, about there's, as well. Yeah, there's a lot of things to think about and to consider to make it work for you, which is what we've tried to do. And that's ex- the whole premise of these eight episodes is like, what works for you? Try to figure that out and then do that because everyone's situation is going to be different and the lifestyle that everyone wants is going to be different. The third option after master leasing and using your own home as an Airbnb is obvious. (laughs) That is buying a property and using that as an Airbnb. And this is where we get back to that straight investment. You're just buying it as a short-term rental property to make money. And that's the sole purpose of it. And there are some things obviously to consider when doing this. We're going to get this going to be touched on. An ongoing a lot. topic. Yeah, uh, over every other episode that we talk about. But from a high level, some of the things and have maybe the first question that people start to think about is like, well, where should I buy an Airbnb? Right. And that, I mean, that's something to think about. Do you have to buy in your home area? Like, is it, do you have to buy somewhere where you reside? Do you not want to buy somewhere where you live and you want to buy somewhere else? So uh, we think that the first time you buy something, it's much easier to buy close to where you live because or an area that or you an know area well. that you know very well because that way you know the neighborhoods or the area the things to do you can get really good comparables you don't and, mind spending time there like if you have to do renovations and you're doing it yourself or are you trying to find property managers or, or cleaners like it's not some crazy hard thing to do if you if you actually have to go there. Yeah, I mean, it takes time on site to set these up. Even if you eventually hand them off to a property manager, you have to spend time there getting them ready and uh, in the future with maintenance, um, most likely. It, yeah, unless you go full service and have someone do everything for you, but then you're splashing out a lot of money. Right, and so, I mean, it depends on what type of investment you are doing, but since we're just talking about short-term rental, we're not talking about, you know, like, the bigger hospitality or um, commercial real estate, it's most likely going to be you. So just consider that it being in your hometown or somewhere nearby or in a vacation area or a place that you enjoy spending time at. And for us, we started in Philly because, you know, outside of the house that we said that we lived in that we rented our first investment property was in Philly because it was an hour away. It was a bigger city. We thought that there'd be pot- uh, better potential for rentals. Um, we did realize we liked going into Philly, but we did realize that um, even it being an hour away, it was a it was a big slog to go down there. Um, yeah, especially well, for if there was an issue, and it's like I'm going an hour down just for this one thing. Yeah, it it was tough for us with that because Philly being a very large city and. I know a lot of large cities have very bad traffic, but even with with Philly, there's just like the one highway. So sometimes it could take two hours to go, you know, 23 miles. And so for us, that became a real challenge. So just think about that if you, you know, when you're looking at an area to buy. Yeah. Err on the side of going more local than not. Are there people who will buy somewhere that they don't know that well? And, you know, sight unseen as their first property. Sure. Should you be that person? For most people, no. I would err on the side of of somewhere that you either live and can get to very easily or somewhere that you know. Um, 
as we mentioned, Heather's brother looking at Lake Winnipesaukee, basically knows every parcel <laughs> of land on that lake, you know, knows when a good deal comes up. If, if he had to go up and do stuff, it's like, okay, well, I'm at the lake. So, so not so bad, right? Um, has flexibility in his schedule to be able to do that. So, yeah, that's kind of our thought on on where to buy. I think as you get more seasoned, it opens up a lot of doors. Uh, Ziana, who's been on our podcast before and who a lot of you said you love, we did a three-part series on on Airbnb and stuff like that. You know, her first property was where she lived in Boulder. And then I think her second one or, or third, pretty quickly, was in St. Louis. She knew nothing about it. She just knew it was, it, the numbers worked. She had a few friends there who were investing there. And she decided to go into an area that she didn't know that well. But also her schedule was super flexible. So she knew she could go out to St. Louis if need be. And so uh, she did that. We have done a similar thing with when we were still living up in Pennsylvania, coming down and, and buying this first property in North Carolina. But now that we're here... We're like, okay, I want to look local because we know this area is good and it's just it's just easier in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's easier for us to be more hands-on and to create those really amazing experiences in the listings that we'll talk about Next soon. Next episode. Yeah, but well, <laughs> what were you going to say? Another thing that people ask is like, well, what type of house? How many bedrooms? What should I consider? And like we said at the top of the show, if if you're using it for yourself, then that plays a role into it. But if you're looking at straight investment, the numbers will help tell you what, what that should be. Um, and we'll get into how to look at those again in a later episode. But from a big kind of broad perspective, one of the things to consider is is looking at multifamily properties. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, it'd be like, okay, this is a duplex or this is a triplex. So you're buying a property that is has two or three or four units on it. Maybe they're connected. Maybe they're not. Maybe it's top floor is, is one house, bottom floor is another. Maybe they're side by side. Obviously, they come in all shapes and sizes. For our cottages, Heth, it's a top bottom duplex on the front and then two individual cottages in the back for four units. But this is a, a really good way if you have the capital to, to, to buy these. Um, they can be super cash cows because it's just and 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 a lot easier because all the all the units are all right there on yeah, one so they're easier land. to manage and you know all of the paperwork and the investment is wrapped up into one package rather than having you know four individual properties and all of those transactions being separate so it is really nice and also for managing them if you're going to manage them yourself then everything's right there on site. Um, so that that's something really nice coming from having five properties in Airbnb all separately in different areas of the city. So yep. even getting in between some of them, they could be a mile away or two miles away and it still takes quite a bit of time in the city to get, get to each place. Whereas here, now that we've bought this set of four cottages all on one property, I mean, goodness, it's so easy. Yeah, so you want to look at multifamily properties. I may uh, be able to convince our buddy down here, Clint, to come on and do a bonus episode <laughs> on on this because he's the multifamily guru, but also on house hacking, which is a term we've used before. And if you are interested in house hacking and that would look like, hey, I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage by someone coming in Airbnb. That right. and, and not just like when you leave, but actually having more, because we talked about that, like renting out your own home, but this one is actually having a multi, um, multi-unit multi property. Unit property and 
renting out one of them or multiple. Yeah. And so, you know, their, their first one that they got into was they bought a duplex here in the town that we're in and they lived in the upstairs and they rented out the downstairs. And so the the upstairs, I think is a three bedroom, two bath. The downstairs was identical, three bedroom, two bath. And that downstairs paid for their mortgage plus gave them, I think he can say the numbers a little better, but at least an additional thousand dollars a month. So essentially they were not just living rent free, they were actually getting $1,000 a month to live in that property. And yeah. so it's not for everyone because some people are like, nope, I need my own space. I'm not going to do this. I don't need to do this. I, I don't care. But it's certainly a way to to get into this. Right. It's a great way to get into it. And it doesn't mean that it has to be forever because you exactly. can then, you know, now that they know what the numbers are doing and they know that they can duplicate it if, when they leave on the Property on the, top floor. on the top floor, that is exactly what they're doing. And now they're going to go and live somewhere else. And basically those two properties will pay for their new house that they're not having to share any space with. So, you know, again, it takes some outside thinking and it might take some extra work or different situations than you're accustomed to, but you can, you can make this lifestyle work for you if you truly want it to. Yeah. And house hacking uh, kind of last thing I'll say on this and the multifamily properties is there are times where it's not a good deal. So for example, whatever, for whatever reason in Philly, and maybe because there's a lot of investors, I, I don't know, you know, we'd look at multifamily properties. We're like, oh, we're going to find one. And, it, you know, let's say it was a duplex and both sides were two bedrooms, two bath, and it'd be 600,000. Well, a single two bedroom, two bath would be 300,000. So I'm like, well, this isn't helping us at all. Like we're not getting a deal. You're, you're basically just saying, hey, we're going to charge you this times two. And it just wasn't a market where really the multifamily seemed to to make sense. Right. And some of them also were like multi-units, but one was a commercial space. So then you had to deal with the whole, like you're going to have a short-term rental and then a long-term rental for commercials. Right. So, so we, we never found one. And I looked a lot that, that really did it for us. But, you know, down here, we have found, we found one. We found these cottages and, and there seemed to be more. So some of that might be location dependent on, on where you are, but- overall multifamilies are something really to explore because a lot of times you you are not paying you know double to get a duplex or triple to get a triplex you're paying less than that and so if you do have the money you know the 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 raw amount of money and capital to get one it can work out really 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 well for yeah. you and if you don't, here is an option that we are going to talk about next, which would be partnering with others on buying either your first Airbnb, if it's strictly a rental, whether it's a vacation home that you want to share with friends or family members, or if it is a multifamily unit that you want to not live in at all, but rent out and, you know, you have partners on it and then you look at those numbers and you, you know, when you split it up, if it still works for all of you, then that's a home run. So you can definitely explore other options. Yeah. You don't have to have all the money. Um, what, one thing we will say with buying investment properties, if it's not your primary residence, a lot of, and if they are multifamily, not going to get too into the numbers here. I promised Heather <laughs> I won't. But it, you usually required to put more down. So, for example, for these cottages, because they are multi-units, uh, we had to put 25% down. Whereas if we were buying a, a primary residence and it was just a single family, you know, you can sometimes get away with putting 3 or 5% down. So, um, if it's an investment, straight investment, and you're calling it that, and if it's a multifamily, you, you're, you need to come to the table with more cash down usually. Um 
But one way around that, as Heather mentioned, is it's like to think of either family members or people that you can partner with. And as we told the story in the first episode, my dad was the one who helped us get those properties in Philadelphia. So we also don't hide behind that. To be fair, your dad and your mom. Yeah, I, I know. I actually, after we recorded the episode, <laughs> I didn't say that to you, but I was like, yeah. I got I, yeah, to give my dad you because- You got to give props to Jippy. Yeah, my dad's the one who, who wrote the checks, but my mom, they came to the, to the decision together to help us support this dream. So- that's one thing to look at. Maybe for you, it's not your mom or dad. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's another family member. But, um, you know, there it does open up some doors. And, um, you know, you can come to the own your own terms of what that looks like and what that relationship looks like and, and how much you're paying them back and, and what percent. Right. But for us, we would have probably only got one in Philadelphia and, you know, two would have stretched us really thin. So that's another thing that I... I don't want people to see the Instagram and be like, oh my gosh, they bought five or six properties. How can they do that? We're very open and honest and transparent saying to we begin, partners. <laughs> we needed help. And even getting the two houses down here in North Carolina, we, you know, my dad was able to come in. He didn't partner on it with us in terms of uh, the, like he gave us the money and we're paying him back, but he's not, he's not taking on any of the work with these properties. Whereas in Philly, he, he acted as the bookkeeper and kind of like, did shared some of the right burden and of basically the what too. what we've done here is he gave us the capital for the down payment that we pay back as a loan at interest so he serves as a bank for right. us with a contract and you know with with a, and I should say a higher interest a much rate, higher than, the interest bank. rate than the so bank so we are going to try to refinance <laughs> as quickly as possible and get the bank right and then the mortgages are in our names whereas in Philadelphia you know as a full partner some of the mortgages were in his names our names and you know. His mom and even Jippy Pam had one in her name, I believe, as yeah. well. So, so and you, we could talk. I mean, you can figure out what works best because there's a thousand variations of, of how you can have partnerships. But just uh, if you're wanting to start in this and you don't have the capital or all of it, you know, consider talking to some other people who might be interested and listen through all the episodes and 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 take the notes and make sure you do your due diligence and then present them with a plan. And that's what I did with my dad. And was like, here's why I think this is going to make money. And, and here's the things money I for at. him as well, obviously. Um, yeah. And so it and he, you know, it was like it was like any time you walk into a business meeting, it was like, here's my plan. And here's why I think it would work. You know, I'm looking for some money and, and he did that. Um, the last kind of note that we want with buying your first Airbnb, and this is an all caps and Heather wrote this note. <laughs> no condos. It, so, I mean, here in the beach town, there's a lot of condos and a lot of people successfully Airbnb condos here. The only reason we shy away from that is because in most circumstances, condos have homeowners associations at least that's what we call them here in the u.s hoas yeah hoas and they are really strict about short-term rentals and to the point where sometimes you might not even be able to short-term rent anymore which happened to us in philadelphia and then you have to long-term rent or figure out what you're going to do with that space so it just makes things more complicated and with the hoa taking you know their fees every month it's less that you have so it just makes it a lot trickier and the variables can change so you're not really in control of that property as much as you might want to be yeah the the only time i would even consider a condo now is if we were in a town like a, a vacation town like we are here at the beach where you know there's 30 units and every one of them is short-term renting out and you know that probably it's a very small chance that the HRA would come in and say you can't do this because everyone's benefiting from it right. but, but there, in cities like in philadelphia it, you just basically couldn't short-term rent a condo well i mean there are times where the HRA says you could 
And then all of a sudden, you know, other people get on the HOA board, HOA board and, and they like, change it. No, you can't. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that, that can change all the time. And so we just shied away from it. Um, and we just said, Hey, we're going to get homes that don't have an HOA. We're not beholden to anyone else. Kind of the only shoe that could fall at this point would be the city or the town putting on limits to how much you can short-term rent. And that does happen and pe- that has happened in cities and towns. Um, mo- one of the more recent examples is Barcelona. I don't know all the details, but essentially like outlawing short-term rentals almost. Um, so it can happen. And so where I would urge caution for that is do your due diligence. There are some websites out there that you can find. I can't remember the names where they talk about how um, friendly these places like cities and towns are to Airbnb. And so Philadelphia was rated like a B plus, right? And then it goes through all the legislature that's already come up and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, some cities like Charleston is really tough to short-term rent. So it's right rated a D. Um, you know, your best bet is going into vacation towns that for years before Airbnb and VRBO and any of these were a thing, they, they were always were set up that rental way. places. <laughs> yeah. Like this town that we live in could never never say never, but if they were to say you cannot rent your home out as a vacation rental, no one would have properties here and they would have no tax dollars because it's been happening for 60, 70 years. Yeah. So that's so just anyway, a word of lots caution. of lots of things to think about here. We hope that we open your eyes up and gave you some things to think about on buying your first short-term rental or home house hacking or, you know, even using your own home. But that will bring us right into once you have your first Airbnb, well, what the heck do you do with it? How do you get it set up? How do you make it that magical place that people want to book so that you are making the most money that you can, that magical money. (laughs) Episode three, probably Heather's favorite one to record and, and maybe mine too, because this is where the numbers help but it really is a bit of an art form and and it's pretty fun and you can be creative so we're going to get right into that the difference between middle of the road and magical listings in episode three thank you heather for keeping us almost on time we said we're going to keep this under 45 minutes i'm really proud of you just right about there um so thank you guys for listening continue to follow our um our journey through this season with the short-term rental success follow us on instagram at extra pack of peanuts at heather sherry and if you're interested in finding out all about our cottages, which we have bought the set of four that we're renovating them all completely because they needed some TLC. That is on a new Instagram account um, at ju.ju.and.co. <laughs> that one's a little bit tougher. Just um, search Juju and Co. J-U. J-U. Juju and Co. And you can see all the behind the scenes renovation stuff because we don't post everything on Extra Pack of Peanuts and at Heather Sherry, just little snippets. But Juju and Co. is where you get to see it all. Yep. And if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in that. Last thing I'll mention, if you are making six, seven or eight figures and you're like, hey, I'm interested in this. I have money to deploy. I have capital. I want to get my first short term rental and I I need someone to hold my hand through this and, and really work super closely on a personal level with me. We are taking just a few people. I, I'm not even say, saying how many because it might be one person, it might be two, it might be three, but really working closely with people to help get them their first property and then get it rocking and rolling. Um, 
we have a, a pretty extensive application to fill out. So if that scares you off, don't do it. Uh, it's not going to be a cheap process either. So it's not for people who want to DIY it, but it's only for people who are like, I'm ready to do this. Uh, you can fill that application out at STR for short-term rental, strlifestyle.com. We'll go through that. We'll hop on a phone call. We'll see if it's a good fit for you. Um, and for some of you, we may work with you to help you get your own short-term rental and get it rocking and rolling and helping you make some passive income. So thank you guys for listening. Money. The magical money. And until <laughs> next time. Happy free travels. Happy free real estate. Free real estate. No, it's not free. Wherever you're getting, I like to know free real estate. And we forgot this old city's name. See your breath on window pane. Let's just talk till it strikes again On my way through I saw you on my way through On my way I saw you And I'll see you again Someday Wait, so you got a magical money tree over there and a free real estate tree. Nice. Well, I'll hang out in that orchard. special.